Now all this, of course, is, is related to uh, prayer and prayerfulness. And what does that mean? Um, you know, oftentimes uh, people, especially in the... People who are a little suspicious of religion or, 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 or actually even some religious people um, think of pl- prayer as really asking something. I'm asking God for a favor or to help me out in some situation, what we could call supplication. And that's fine, you know, that's a, a I was going to say level, but it's, it's a style or stance of prayer, and, and it really is fine. But just to say uh, here with that, um, careful. Uh, or, or, or that it, it asks of us some care because not only can supplication or asking um, an imaginal other or divinity or angel or whatever for something, not only can it be um, a little too much on the uh, rarefied, self-serving um, side of things as we've talked about, but actually the, the very asking itself can um, come out of but also actually support or, or, or bind in place a, a sense of the self that's actually in the moment that's actually quite contracted and small and hard. In other words, the very asking, the way that we're asking, the, the relationship with that asking, the whole way that we're seeing it, um, actually is keeping a contracted, small, hard sense of self in place at that time. And that's different as... A, different from a kind of um, humble opening out of the being to receive something bigger. It's the opposite of contracted, small and hard. There's a kind of softening and opening out of the being to this something, to this something some other, some autonomous other that we sense is something bigger than us, if you like. So one is contracting and one is opening. Um, and one has humility, and one has a kind of a tight smallness to it. So just, just, and again, without making too much problems out of this, is just the sort of thing we want to be interested in. Of course, of course, it's going to go one way or another. Sometimes it's just recognizing these movements, discerning what's happening. Ah, okay. Can I can I open it differently? Can I see it differently? Can I shift something? But prayer or supplication is fine, but also prayer means doesn't necessarily mean supplication at all, or rather can mean a lot more than just supplication, asking. Prayer as praise, our praise of the divine or of the divinity of all things, uh, or prayer as blessing, again, our blessing of someone or something or... Uh, or our sense of receiving blessing from someone, from something, or from the divine in general, the universe, the cosmos. Many, and, and even words like that, you know, something, what, blessing can, can be uh, such, may you, um, may you be well, or, you know, may, a, a, a specific wish that can be articulatable, and in their depths, you know, as things, or again, I don't want to make too much. I don't want to make a hierarchy, but there's also dimensions of praise and blessing that uh, it's almost impossible to put into words. We can't actually translate them in, into words like what. What actually um, the words crumble 
uh, or dissolve into something that's still very alive, very deep, as um, involving the divine, involving image. It's wrapped up in it. It's not just a sort of euphemism for, um, oh, it's pretty in the garden, or isn't it beautiful, or isn't nature amazing, or something. It actually, wrapped up, is still a sense of divinity and um, and the imaginal, but uh, and I'm still using words like praise and blessing, and they're palpable, but they're not. If if someone said, well, "What do you mean exactly?" It would actually be hard to to articulate it. It's, it's something beyond the verbal. And the <clears throat> and the experiences of this level of prayer prayer as praise or blessing rather than as supplication. Experiences have a huge range, both in terms of how close uh, they are to <clears throat> obvious praise or blessing or the sort of more conventional uh, conventional meanings of those words, uh, the ways we use those words, praise and blessing. But also, uh, they have a huge range um, in their uh, locus, potential uh, loci or, or reference or, or focuses on this thing or that thing, um, or wider, or this element of experience or whatever. So they, they're always imaginal. These experiences of prayer, they always involve the imaginal, they involve image and a sense of divinity, even if that sense um, and, and the images involved are subtle or, or vague, even. As we just said, they always involve that. Um, but they can extend from one object, being uh, associated with one object, to an all-inclusive, all-pervasive cosmopoetic perception of praise, uh, blessing, prayer. <clears throat> so it may start at that one, one thing or one aspect of experience uh, may be perceived and felt in the soul and the heart as a blessing. It's perceived as a blessing or as emanating blessing. Um, for instance, uh, the materiality of the body uh, the materiality of one's body and its form, the form of the body, materiality and the form, um, can be, sometimes there's a shift in the, in the psyche, in the consciousness, in the perception, perceive it, this materiality, this form, as a mode of divine blessing. Um, or it is emanating blessing um, by its very existence, in and through its very existence, as materiality and as form. The materiality and the form is is an emanation of a blessing, or both. <clears throat> a blessing from the divine and itself is blessing. And not just because, uh, not just a blessing um, or a praise because it's a miracle of biophysical evolutionary processes, which, which it is, but not just that. There is in this in this sense, in this mystical sense, in this sense of prayerfulness, there's, there are intimations, senses, um, conceptions, often faint, of other dimensions, of divinity, etc. So there's 
blessing there in the knowledge of body in this way and the felt experience of body in this way. And then, as is so often the case, it can extend, uh, a cosmopoesis extends from one <coughs> object or thing or person, um, perceived sense, um, as a theophany, if you like, in this case as praise, blessing, it starts to extend to the materiality and the forms around us, around this body in this moment. There's a natural, organic extension into a wider cosmopoesis. So from um, this body as blessing, or this body as praising, um, there's an extension to matter, uh, the matter uh, that I perceive in this moment as blessing, as praise. And then also an extension from that, potentially, to the knowing. The knowing of the praise, the blessing, the knowing of the materiality. So knowing it as blessing, and the knowing too is blessing. The knowing too is a blessing. So you can see it starts with one thing. There's a, there's a extension, as I said, a natural organic extension. Not always, but often with with these uh, processes <coughs> and mystical unfoldments. There's a natural organic, can be natural organic extension to a wider cosmopoesis. And it's possible at times in practice to sense um, all things, all things or beings or objects or elements or aspects of experience to sense that they are all praising, they are all blessing. They are they are the praise and the blessing of the divine. They receive the praise and the blessing of the divine and they emanate the praise and, and blessing. But Always what's involved in this kind of uh, cosmopoetic perception, the imaginal, etc., always um, this praise and this blessing, if that's what we're talking about right now, this is felt and known through the senses somehow. So, for example, in the realm of materiality, the, the sense of the, the warmth of the sun, you could say in a certain language, the fire element, the sense of the warmth of the sun on the body is somehow praising, is somehow divine blessing or the divine blessing existence or through the sensations of touch of the feet, legs, body with the earth on which I'm standing the sense of connection, of rootedness there this somehow is divine blessing this experience of touch these sensations of touch are emanating blessing are praising or through the sense of smell and fragrance and uh, not necessarily only pleasant sensations, pleasant smells or pleasant uh, touches, whatever. And certainly, as I've said to, <coughs> on other talks, we're not, and I said earlier, this, these words praise and blessings are not euphemisms for just Oh, how pleasant, how aesthetically pleasing, or whatever. 
but they don't restrict themselves to the pleasant. There's involved in all this, there's the potential for a kind of liberation from the whole um, duality, if you like, of pleasant, unpleasant in experience. Um, and the uh, directives, if you like, the constraints and compulsions um, of consciousness, of, of uh, experience that come out of that duality. So we can perceive praise and blessing uh, more and more widely. <clears throat> but always, what's involved here is the imaginal, is the heart, the receptivity, the openness of heart. Um, conception is involved, even if subtly and vaguely, and the senses are involved. So it's felt and known somehow through the senses. In ways that, we're really talking about ways of knowing, different ways of knowing that are not, um, if you like, uh, conventionally acknowledged or recognized. But the possibilities here for, for um, this level of prayer, prayer as praise, as, as blessing, um, there are manifold possibilities in all kinds of directions and multiple kinds of ranges, if you like, involved. Possibilities are, are infinite, in fact, infinite. And similarly with all that, um, there are flavors and intensities of the feelings of prayerfulness, of devotion, of surrender, of love and, and compassion. All of these, all of those uh, qualities, are, are, uh, there's a huge range to them, both in their in possible intensities and also the possible, if you like, flavors that they have. So, for example, compassion. Um, you know, compassion can be very uh, tearful, quivering with with the resonance, uh, with the suffering of 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 whoever we're feeling compassion for, and it can also be very, very um, uh, sweet and lovely and very buoyant, um, light, uh, healing energy streaming forth, and there isn't so much of the tears. Um, it feels very bright, very sustainable, very uh, light. Um, can be in the middle of the mixture of those two. Um, can be compassion can be very, very spacious or or really quite cool. In in and and all of these are flavors of compassion. Um, there's no hierarchy there. Again, they're just they're just um, flavors that are available to us, and also intensities. And all of these um, uh, qualities that I was mentioning before: prayerfulness, devotion, surrender, love, compassion, metta. Um, they're actually all, also they're always composites. In other words, love or metta or compassion or prayerfulness is never just one thing. It's a it's a mix of different elements. So this is. Um, not just an intellectual point at all, um, as practice grows um, and, and we develop our practice, we can absolutely, and, and um, it's there for us to know and to really experience all the ranges of all these qualities. 
And to be able to um, discern these qualities and the flavors and the subtle differences and actually, you know, tune the mix. I want the compassion to be a little more buoyant right now, a little more light and less heavy and tearful. I want it to be more spacious or whatever it is. So we're really talking about um, what's possible in practice as the... um, in what ranges can we traverse and what can we know and what can we sense and what can become really just part of our lives. I'm not even talking just about um, formal meditation practices, also, also in our lives, in our relationships, in, in the moments in the day. So again, no hierarchy here. We're not insisting on intensity um, for prayerfulness or surrender or devotion. or um, I mean, intensity is fine and, and great and can be wonderful, but it's not that it's always better or deeper or more helpful. Yes, in the course of practice, in the course of, you know, for most people, years of practice, we our capacity grows. We learn how to um, accommodate. Uh, we grow, our heart grows, our psychic space grows to be able to accommodate really intense, big emotions. Um, either difficult ones or the really beautiful um, ones. Such a force of sacredness or praise or blessing or beauty or whatever it is, or compassion or love. And actually we learn how to allow that, how to handle it, how to have room for it, how, how for it not to be overwhelming and a problem. And this is part of deepening in, in practice. So yes, intensity and hugeness, but also, again, echoing what I said earlier, we uh, the movement to subtlety is also important. So sometimes these sometimes these these qualities of prayerfulness or feelings of devotion or surrender or love, compassion, whatever it is, um, they're a lot more subtle and a lot less intense, and sometimes that's um, that's actually more helpful at, at times, at moments. Um, and the mind wants that subtlety and is helped by it. So we want to allow the movement to subtlety and experience that at times. Not be hooked on intensity or afraid of intensity or ignoring subtlety. So again, no hierarchy. Again, what's asking for open-mindedness, sensitive discernment, um, uh, tuning, experimentation, flexibility but with discernment and with tuning and with uh, interest. So the heart and the importance of the heart, um, and as I mentioned, those four interrelated aspects uh, that open the door and support imaginal practice and cosmic voices. But I want to pick out something else that's a little bit implicit in all this, and uh, it's about the, the relationship... Um, of body and energy body and consciousness. Um, And so uh, let's say a little bit about this, and this is important for the practice too. Um, Body, sense of the body, and particularly of the energy body, and the, if you like, the state of consciousness, um, what's happening in the psyche, the state of, of, of the psyche and the soul, at any moment, again, they have a, they're very interrelated. 
um, one will have an effect on the other, the other will have an effect on the one. There's, there's a mutual influence happening there, and some of that um, is very, very obvious and, and gross, and some of it's extremely subtle. So again, there's this range, gross, gross to subtle. Um, and this, to me, is a really, really important um, th- thread uh, to to become more and more aware of in practice this interrelationship and what's possible there and what we can notice there. Uh, is something? Actually, just to throw this out in terms of samadhi. So, um, some of you will know when there's piti, when there's a kind of um, well-being. Uh, welling up in the body or filling the body. Um, that's a Pali word, P-I-T-I, um, that the Buddha used uh, and emphasized in, in the progression of samadhi as one of the factors. And when that's there, that kind of intense, more intense well-being or pleasure in the body, um, sometimes what often happens is uh, the, the, the head tilt slightly backwards. It's often because the movement of the energy of the PT, especially at first, not not always, uh, doesn't always stay like this, but it just tends to be up the body. So there's a kind of current or flow or fountain of pleasant feeling moving up the body. And sometimes this can actually, uh, so it's felt in the energy body, can actually um, cause the head to tilt back a little bit. Um, or in some cases a lot. Um, so there's the movement from the energy body, uh, it's from the consciousness that's gathered in, in joy, etc., and it affects the energy body, and that actually affects the physical body. Now, let's really not make a big deal out of, out of this at all, please. Um, but just to, to mention, in, in the spirit, and for the reason of experimenting with all this, not necessarily of achieving anything, but in that spirit of curiosity of this interrelationship and sensitivity to the energy body, etc., sometimes practicing, and you're aware of the energy body and aware of, the, the, say, the uprightness of the energy body, and just being aware of that uprightness and actually allowing that uprightness as if, as if the... Um, sort of axis, the energetic axis of the body, just allowing it to sort of unfurl a little bit and reach upward, straighten out, fill out, extend a little bit. I'm talking about very subtle. It's an inner imaginal um, encouragement or actually even just an allowing. And how does that feel when you do that? Actually, let let the physical body be straight, and just allow the energetic sense, uh, the energy line that runs through the centre of the body, allow that to straighten out. Notice how that feels in the whole space of the energy body. And then, what happens um, very uh, subtly if you just tilt, begin to tilt the chin up but to such a slight, subtle degree that someone looking at you would, would either would not notice or would barely notice. Now, so I'm not talking about, certainly not talking about jerking or yanking the chin up. I'm not even talking about a great uh, degree of movement. Just experiment. So here's the whole energy body, sensitive to that whole space. Here's uh, this line of energy that I'm imagining or feeling up the center of the body, maybe even extending below and above the body, and just allowing it to unfurl, to straighten, to extend, and then just 
just tilting the head back so subtly and slightly, and how does that feel? How does the energy body feel when you do that, whole body? Maybe you feel that in in um, in attending to the energy body or allowing the energy body to open a certain way, or even the physical body, it actually encourages a certain feeling. When there's a certain feeling, it affects the body, and when and and playing with the body um, very subtly um, affects the feeling. There's an interrelationship there. I'm just throwing that out by way of example, partly, but also because we're interested in noticing these things. And more generally, actually, is really what I want to focus on, that when we're aware of the energy body or dwelling in the awareness of the energy body in that fullness, especially when there's some degree of well-being or pleasantness there and the harmonization, some degree of samadhi, um, but not only at those times at all, um, we, we begin to notice at, at times, at times, not definitely not always, but at times, you may begin to notice that the energy body wants to or actually is moving imaginally, or so to speak energetically, while the physical body is absolutely still. So someone looking from the outside can't see anything happening at all, you're sitting perfectly still in meditation, and inside you feel that the energy body wants to make certain movements, or actually is making certain movements. So inside you feel like you're dancing. Um, or, or the hands are in a certain posture, or, or something or other, or the body has adopted a certain posture. Now, this is very different than restlessness. I want to move, I want to scratch, I want to just shift posture, I want to open my eyes, I want to go out of the meditation. I'm not talking because the mind is not steady, or I'm bored, or whatever. I'm not talking about that. This is, this is actually something else. Um, it comes when we're really with the energy body, it tends to come when we're really with the energy body, and when, when something is opening and harmonizing in the, in the chitta, in the psyche, in the energy body. So this, this can happen, and, and really the encouragement when that happens, to let yourself feel into that, to actually allow it, and, um, and feel this um, either imaginal movement or imaginal posture or, or the impulse to that imaginal posture. Really explore it. Let, it. let it be there and feel how it feels in the energy body. Now, sometimes um, you might actually explore um, physical uh, enactment or, or allowing the, the physical body to actually adopt a certain posture or move in a certain way. Um, Usually, uh, that would that would take the form of um, kind of spontaneous movements. Usually, they will be quite slow. Um, th- there's actually no formula here, but usually they'll, they'll look some, something like a kind of tai chi or spontaneous moving between yoga po- postures or holding of this pose or some kind of um, slow dancing or something. Usually, but but actually anything's possible. Maybe sometimes it's just in the hands. Just the hands feel like they want to move in a certain way or, or, or change how, how into what's called a mudra. One of the meanings of that, of which is a, is a hand posture, a deliberate ritual hand posture in some traditions, especially in the Tibetan tradition. Actually, actually quite a few traditions. Um, and you might have seen pictures of different mudras um, that the hands and the fingers are in different postures. So... Uh, yeah, um, 
you know, there's, there's many possibilities. Um, and again, you can um, allow that movement or the adoption of a certain hand posture, um, a certain mudra, and, and notice and feel it. Um, uh, feel yourself actually doing that, but feel its effects in the energy body. Feel its effects on the emotion, um, if there are any, or on the sense of soul-making or whatever. So you actually let your hands do that. Let them adopt a certain posture, let them move a certain way, and and but you're really tuning to how it feels in the energy body, in the soul, in the emotions, etc. Or again, you can just let it be an imaginal movement of the energy body, where where the physical hands are absolutely still. So all this can be extremely subtle, and and for example, with with the hands, um, there's 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 a a lot of um, possibility for s- subtle and sensitive experimenting. So, for example, the Anjali, the, 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 the bowing posture of the hands, or the prayer posture, or the posture of devotion with the, with the um, palms and fingers spread, t- spread together. And a uh, you know, very common gesture in Asian countries especially. Um, uh, how does that feel different? Uh, or sometimes you can let yourself experiment if it feels helpful, if it feels fruitful. Because sometimes this can be just a complete waste of time, or it's not really helpful. Or it's not really the thing that's helpful at that at that moment, you know. But how is it different? It's very very subtle, you know. The the, the hands in Anjali pressed together, uh, palm and fingers, and placed at the heart center, or placed at the mouth, or even slightly higher at the heart. Uh, center or, uh, or the mouth slightly higher, slightly lower. Um, little increments can actually make quite a big difference in 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 the rest of the feeling of the psyche and the energy body and the emotions. What about the angle of the hands? If they're tilted forward or if they're straight up, if the um, fingers and palms are, are pressed flat together or if the fingers are interlaced. Um, what about if their hands in, in this Anjali posture are touching the forehead. Actually, I mean, actually touching as opposed to just at, you know nearby or not. How does it feel? Can you notice? Um, so, so if you're experimenting with this at times, you know, there's there's an Im, Im, immense um, subtlety that's possible here. Um, what what is noticeable and the effects on the feeling of the emotions, the energy body, etc. The touching the earth mudra, you know, the famous picture of the the Buddha sitting with one hand touching the earth, and that can have that can go in all kinds of um, all kinds of possibilities for the how it's not formulaic this necessarily, or other way we're teaching it is not formulaic as I said before. Um, but touching the earth and what does that do? Um, well, the head pressed to the earth, bowing, and the head, the forehead touching the earth. Um, all of this affects the emotions, affects the energy body. You know, sometimes in meditation, we f- we feel stuck. The energy stuck, or the emotion stuck, or the attitude stuck. And just a sometimes. Uh, and I'm not saying this uh, as a sort of um, fix-it card, but sometimes, again, f- from the spirit of exploring all this, um, sometimes just a shift in the mudra, in the hand posture, just a subtle shift. Maybe even um, which fingers. Uh, which fingertips are touching? Maybe the thumb and the second finger of each hand start to touch, or there's a, 
the, the Anjali prayer posture of the hands and the first fingers um, bend toward to touch each other, fold towards to touch each other, and the thumbs come to rest on those uh, two first fingers. There's many, many parts, almost infinite possibilities, really, of, what, of different kinds of mudra. But just subtle shifts in the mudra, mudra um, can shift the direction of meditation. Um, they can open the emotions, open the energy body, shift the view even, um, or shift the the sense of possibility and and what is actually possible, shift the attitude. And even very subtle changes, as I said, in in the hand posture, in the mudra, can can, um, allow something to shift just a little bit and then then something opens. There's also... uh, Again, if we're interested in why why are these things helpful, one of the things that's helpful here is just the very subtilizing and sensitizing of the awareness and the attention to try and pay attention to um, how uh, you know how how these shifts in mudra um, af- affect the emotions. Just that sensitizing and subtling actually energizes the awareness. It gives more, I'm, I'm injecting more energy into the awareness. And when the awareness has more energy, it can have, it, uh, if it has more energy than whatever emotion I'm in, I'm stuck in a depression or an irritation or whatever, and there's a certain energy locked in the emotion. By sensitizing and subtilizing the awareness or um, is one of the ways of giving the energy more uh, the awareness more energy, and when the energy has sorry when the awareness has more energy than the emotion, then the emotion starts to uh, be much much more handleable it 's like the awareness can get around it, accommodate it it doesn 't dominate the emotion doesn 't dominate we 're not sinking in the emotion it 's not pulling uh, pulling us around so much, and sometimes the emotion can soften and heal and become more subtle or just change but at any rate, it becomes less problematic because the energy of the awareness is bigger than the energy of the emotion rather than the other way around. When the awareness of the emotion is bigger than the awareness of the... Excuse me. When the energy of the emotion is bigger than the energy of the awareness, we're actually drowning in the emotion, so to speak. Okay, so there's a lot of things to, to play with. Um, take your time. Don't get overwhelmed. Experiment. Be playful. In the walking meditation, let's say, you know, still, we're always walking um, with this connection to sensitivity, to mindfulness of the energy body. What we can add now, uh, having said what we've just said today, is we can add the possibility to explore movement and posture um, uh, you know, you might stand still in the walking meditation and um, explore the, the hand posture or, or it's, uh, be in one place and, and dance a little bit rather than the walking meditation up and down. It might be more this feeling the energy body and then feeling that it wants to move in certain ways and dance and maybe what just a part of the body does. And let yourself do that. It might be actual a, a physical embodiment, a physical inaction of those um, uh, impulses to movement or, or to certain postures or dance or whatever it is. Or it might just be, as I said, an, an imaginal movement of the energy body. You look like you're standing still or you look like you're slowly walking and that you can feel 
both that, of course, you can feel yourself sitting there, etc. But you can also feel the energy body, um, and it might be doing all kinds of things, all kinds of dancing or uh, somersaults floating in the air or all kinds of things. What matters is the awareness and the being in touch with, with the space of the energy body. But if you want, at times, you can move between a sort of classical walking up and down um, with the energy body awareness, or you can um, explore some of this movement either in action or just just um, letting the energy body do that, but tuning into that feeling. Now, either whether it's a- either whether it's actually in um, either if it's in actual movement of the physical body or just in the imaginal energy body, if the movement is is, is imaginal, the posture is imaginal. Either way. Um, the movement or the posture uh, can also open up images or um, cosmopoeses or ways of looking, uh, as I I mentioned earlier, and sometimes the other way around. Um, A certain way of looking or a certain cosmopoeses or a certain image will affect the energy body so that it wants to move um, either in actuality or or just in, in the imagination. Again, there's mutual dependence, but but the encouragement for practice to no, as we play with this, if you're going to play with it, if you want to, then really to notice um, the energy body, the emotion, the feeling, and all that, and the perception or the shifts in perception, the shifts in uh, the sense of things, um, uh, and the way of looking, uh, perception, sense, way of looking at the body, at the self and at the world, what's around you, or the environment. Now I realize this is not um, that usual for these kinds of, uh, this kind of meditative culture, so um, uh, other, other spiritual practices are very normal, but for, for some of you, some of this, if you're going to let yourself, will also involve like navigating your self-consciousness and uh, etc. like that. And just to, to have some care with that too. But um, really to notice this interplay between perception more widely and energy body, both ways, both ways. Um, and just to say again, it was implied already, you know, sometimes the actual movement of prostration or the actual shift in the hand posture or the actual um, moving in, in, in this dance or whatever it is or shift in posture um, uh, will shift things and bring something alive and make it um, the being will come into heightened sensitivity with that and openness and soul making etc um, and, and, and it's actually really helpful to move and sometimes it's not and we would assume it is when well, I'm doing this ritual or I'm doing my prostrations or whatever. And actually what happens is the, the body acts and the soul kind of turns off. This is interesting, you know. Um, uh, why, why does that happen? How does that happen? Is it happening? Do I even notice that that's happening? Um, sometimes what happens is it, it's more helpful, sometimes, it's more helpful to, to have the inner prostration, the inner attitude of bowing, the inner devotion, the inner um, sense of the energy body and, and the surrender, etc. And uh, the mind kind of at that time 
wants more subtlety, that's more helpful. And it becomes alive and sensitive through not enacting something physically. And at other times it will come alive and sensitive and soul-making through actually acting. So this is, you know, even discerning between this, it's asking quite a lot of us as practitioners to be able to discern, to notice what's happening, to feel which will be helpful right now, and to be really open for both possibilities, both avenues. Okay? There's lots to play with. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.